Of what significance is the creation-evolution debate and the age of the earth to today's Christian? Does it have any effect on foundational issues of the gospel? Today on Creation Magazine Live, the importance of the origins issue. God's Word, the Bible, is an accurate account of creation and it tells us how people can have a relationship with the Creator. Honoring God and explaining aspects of His Word is the focus of this podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. I'm Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Uh, this week on Creation Magazine Live, we're discussing the importance of the origins issue, the creation-evolution debate, to today's Christian. Yeah. Uh, how it relates to the gospel, evangelism, and basic foundational truths that Christians hold dear. Right, we're, and we're also going to touch on this really kind of sticky, controversial area of, uh, you know, the age of the earth. When did God create? Uh, how does that impact us? How do we know that? Those, those types of things. Right, and, and this is seen as a, as a side issue by, by many people in the church. Yeah. Uh, people say things like, well, look, look I, be I believe God created, I don't believe in evolution, but when he created, that's, that's irrelevant. He could have taken billions of years to create. Right. And, uh, you know, what's, what's the big deal about the age of the earth? Well, so why the emphasis, people say, on six days, 6,000 years ago, why emphasize something so strongly that's not a salvation issue? Right. See, we'd agree to a certain point, right? That, yeah. the, that the time scale itself, that's not the issue. The issue is what does the Bible actually say and, and how do you understand what the Bible means? Does, does it mean right. what it plainly says? It, it all comes down to a question of biblical authority. That's the real issue. Yeah. Can you yeah. just read the Bible as plainly written or not? Or do you need scientists to reinterpret it? And, of course, we're, we're going to get into the details of that in the next half hour. Right. And we, we could ask other questions to kind of rephrase the question a little bit. Uh, for example, does what you believe about the age of the earth have any connection to gospel doctrines? It's a well, way of rephrasing it. Most people in churches today would say no. It right. doesn't have anything to do with it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the answer, and then this might shock you, about whether the earth is young or old, it's a vital issue, and, and it impacts salvation it doctrines, and people yeah. haven't connected the dots, but we often do. Of course, that's one of the main reasons we go around and teach. Yeah, and right. one of the challenges here is that the importance of, of this issue, of the age of the earth and its relationship with the gospel, can't be communicated in, in, in a 10-second soundbite. Right. You know, so that, that would leave way too many unanswered questions. So we're going to do this over, over this half hour of Creation Magazine Live. Yeah. Now let's start with this. A key point is that the time scale of millions of years is directly connected to the fossil record. Right. That's an important starting point. So the implications of that connection often go unnoticed by most Christians. Yeah. So what's the connection? See, uh, up to about 150, 200 years ago, most people in the Western world took the Bible as, as real history, as plainly written, and they would understand that those rock layers with all those dead things out there were the result of a global flood. Right. It was recorded as history yeah. in Genesis 6 to 9. You could just read it plainly. That was good cause and effect for what we see in, in, in nature and read in the scripture. But then, uh, you know, a guy named Hutton kind of re-kick-started the idea of millions of years in the Western world, and then this man named Charles Lyell wrote a book called Principles of Geology, in which he claimed that the present is the key to the past. So the way we see sedimentation rates happening today in lakes and rivers has always been, uh, that means that those layers must have laid, got laid down, you know, one or two varves per year to make all the rock layers, for example, in Grand Canyon. It must have taken millions of years. Right. So he said that yep. the earth was a vast antiquity. It was millions of years old. There was, you know, the Bible's history in Genesis was not true. 
The thing is, those rocks contain all kinds of other things. You can see here, death, pain, diseases, extinction, uh, carnivory, suffering, animals ripping each other up, that it, type of thing. Yeah, it, it's, and, it's not just the, the record of millions of years. What was going on during those millions of years? Exactly, and that's, <laughs> that's recorded in the rocks. If the rocks are millions of years old, they have these fossils in them. They have all of this in them. And, uh, uh, for example, you could think of pain. Right, I mean, example. look at some of the fossils that we've seen. Like like Sue, for example, she's a, a big T-Rex, and and uh, you know we see a picture of her here. Well, she had a badly healed broken leg, right? We can see where the bones are fused back together. Three broken ribs, one of them which was healed in two pieces. So yeah. that was a nasty shot she took from whatever. Uh, fused tail vertebrae, likely due to arthritis. She had an infection, uh, caused multiple holes in her in her skull. Uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting one. Initially, I guess the researchers thought that it was parasites. Okay. Which is bad enough. Yeah. I mean, boring holes in, 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 no, initially they thought it was, it was parasites. Initially they thought it was attacks from other dinosaurs, which would be bad enough. But it's parasites Ugh. eating holes through her skull. Right. She even had the tooth of another dinosaur embedded in a rib. So she was in a massive battle, right? Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. you know, so lots of problems here, lots of pain, suffering, all It's happened. an example of pain in the fossil right, record right there. Right, before the end of the six days of creation. Yeah. If they were laid down over millions of years, and let's, let's think about the time scale, the biblical time scale of history and what that might look like, right? So uh, we look at what the Bible says, that uh, on day one God created certain things, and day two, day three, all the way through day six, he created certain things on specific days, but at the end of, his, of the creation, he announced that it was a very good so there was no sin, there was no death, no suffering, no pain. Everything was very good, right? Right. And then, uh, according to the biblical chronology, um, after Adam sinned, right? When, when he, when he uh, rebelled against God, that's when sin and death entered into the world. We read Roman uh, right. passages like Romans 5.12. Through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Well, that's the, that's the biblical timeline. Right? Yeah, yeah, and there's there's many indications in the Bible, uh, and and a great deal of historical support that these six days here happened about six thousand years ago. Right. So, the, if the fossils are millions of years old, the question is where do they fit? Right. right. Here's the biblical timescale. Yeah. Where do you fit in the fossils there? Right. And and so, uh, well, they'd have to go at the beginning of the six days. Yeah, or during the six. Or days during somewhere. the six days somewhere. Yeah. Nobody's trying to add millions of years after Adam and Eve. Right, because then you've got a biblical chronology there. This person begats that person, <laughs> et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. So, um, but if at the end of the creation everything is very good, Genesis one twenty nine, when when God's giving commands about what people should eat, He says, "Well, you're not going to eat any meat." Matter of fact, He gives uh, commands to all the, uh, the 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 land animals. Yeah, in, Gen it, in verse thirty. Yeah, verse thirty says, "No, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food." Yeah. Well, it was it was very good. You didn't have to worry about animals ripping you up or ripping your kids up. Or it was a very good world. That's right. And the Bible talks about animal behavior. Going to it's going to revert back to that in the future, and and viewers will know those verses as well. But if the fossil record happened during the six days of creation, this is the problem, right? Then how could God have caused, called his completed creation very good? Right. You would have to call carnivorous activity very good. Yeah. You'd have to call parasites yeah. boring through dinosaur skulls very good. You'd have to all cancers that we see in the fossil record and all the indications of pain and suffering. How are you going to explain that to your non-believer friend who says, "Oh yeah, we've got a loving God that used billions of years of suffering and pain to create"? Yeah, that's it the way he the created. nature of God, doesn't it? 
And, well, it certainly does. We, we can, we can talk character. at great length about that, and, but we'll, we'll continue moving toward how this affects the gospel specifically. Mm. If we look at Genesis 2, verse 17, um, it says there that there's a warning about how death will enter God's very good creation. In other words, a relationship is established between Adam's disobedience right. and the entrance of sin and death into the world and the end of this state of very good at that point. A relationship is established. Key point right. there in Genesis 2.17. Right. Now, um, this relationship is repeated in the New Testament in Hebrews 9.22, where it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, obviously, the shedding of blood, that means a physical death. It's physical death. Right? So, the relationship between sin and death that's foundational to what what happened on the Christ, on, on the cross because Christ died a physical death, right? He didn't just die a spiritual death to pay for sin. It was a physical death. He shed his blood, um, and we read that in in the Gospels. Right. But if physical death has been around for millions of years before there was ever any sin, then you've destroyed the relationship between physical death and sin. Right. So it directly affects. The message of the cross, the foundational doctrines of Christianity. Right. For example, in Romans six twenty three, it says it says that for the wages of sin is death. Well, well, wait a minute. That verse can't be right. The wages of sin is death. Well, if, if there'd been death for millions of years prior to to sin happening, yeah. then what 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 are the, the wages the, of sin? The, the warning that God gave to Adam there, Adam, if you sin, you will die. Adam Adam could have said, so what? Everything else is dying. Everything around me is dying. It's a terrible world anyways. I sin, and so there's death before Adam. Adam sins. It doesn't really do anything. There's death after Adam. And Romans 5.12 makes no, no sense. By right. one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, death spread to all men. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. The bottom line is death must be the result of Adam's sin. Yes. Yeah. It, it has to be for the gospel to make sense. If you work through to a logical conclusion, your, your opinion about the age of the earth has a, can have a devastating effect on important doctrines like the gospel. Right, and, and not just the gospel. I mean, Genesis gives us original initial explanations for, for all major biblical yes. doctrines, yep. directly or indirectly. So it's, it's incredibly important. If you're going to explain something like marriage, if you're going to explain something like why you even need a savior, yeah. You find it in Genesis, but it's amazing that many Christians just say, oh, well, you know, uh, the origins issue, it's not that important. Uh, we, we can just look at what evolutionists tell us, and we'll just kind of incorporate that into our, our, our doctrines. But, but we need Jesus, and, and, and you need to tell people uh, that he died for their, their sins. Yeah. So, hmm. They think it through. That, and anyways, let, let's look at some examples. <coughs> Genesis uh, tells us about God, not just as the creator, but as seen in chapter one, of course, but also about the one who has a plan and purpose for right. mankind. That's, that's us. Now, this plan and purpose involves our living in a relationship of obedience to God, a trust, loving relationship uh, where, where we love him. Thus, God is seen as a lawgiver right. in the command to Adam not to eat the tree, not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he is seen as a lawgiver. He right. gives rules to live by. Which means he's also seen as the judge following Adam's disobedience in Genesis 3, right? As well as his judgment at the flood, at Babel, at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, you know, we, we see these judgments. So he's a lawgiver. He's also a judge of those laws that he's given. Yeah. Right? God's also seen as a savior. Uh, for example, uh, it's prophesied in Genesis 3, verse 15. Uh, and then 
in action, his action in saving Noah, of course, and saving Lot and Abraham at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, then in, in Genesis 18 and 19, a little bit further on. Right. And you can also see the Trinity in Genesis. Yes, you which can. Which is amazing, yeah. right? Uh, the Hebrew word for God, Elohim, uh, in, in Genesis 1 is plural, right? Genesis 1.26 says, uh, God says, uh, let us make man in our image, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, the Spirit of God is mentioned, of course, hovering over the uh, <coughs> over the waters. Oh, yeah, so one member of the Trinity there. Yeah, yeah. and then in Genesis 1.2, it's, uh, Christ is mentioned prophetically when it says, uh, as the seed of the woman, right? That's well, the seed of the woman, that, that's uh, indicating the virgin conception of Christ, right? Um, it's not the seed of the man, it's just from the seed of the woman, right? The virgin uh, conception. Yeah. And that's in contrast to the usual biblical pattern uh, as listing only the fathers. The fathers, in, yeah. In the There's contrast there. Yeah. Um, uh, Genesis gives us details about salvation, of course. Uh, in other books of the Bible, we read about that God in His mercy and grace forgives sin, and, uh, but it's only when a penalty is paid by a substitutionary sacrifice. That's seen in Genesis as well. It's through a substitute that God, God provides salvation from the guilt, the power, the, the, and the eternal penalty, and ultimately the presence of sin. The, the substitute uh, is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read right. about that in the New Testament. But we, we don't get those, the details of the, the life, death, and burial, and, and resurrection of Christ in Genesis. But uh, it, the prediction and promise of what is to come is there in Genesis. For example, in Genesis 3.15, that, the, that um, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Right. Now, um, further, this seed is a descendant of the first man, Adam, right? Now, if we look in verses like Luke uh, 3, uh, 38, um, and he's also called the last Adam, right? 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five. This is essential because Isaiah uh, spoke of the coming Savior as literally the kinsman redeemer, right? right? He was going to be uh, someone who's related by blood, to those he redeems. And so uh, the, book of, the book of Hebrews explains how Jesus took upon himself the nature of man to save mankind. You find that in Hebrews uh, uh, 2, 11 to 18. Um, and this, this vital kinsman redeemer concept, it, it, it's sourced in Genesis. Jesus is a descendant of Adam, just like everyone yeah, else just who's like, ever just lived. Just like all the rest of us. Yeah. You have to see those genealogies usually at Christmas time. You read them in Matthew and Luke right. there of, of, of <clears throat> Jesus going back to Adam. Uh, the beginning of the Jewish nation. Uh, within which the Messiah would be born and die and rise from the dead. Uh, that, that's seen in the call of Abraham. Right. Also in Genesis. You have someone who's singled out there. The substitutionary nature of, of uh, the, the sacrifice is seen in Genesis 22, 1 to 13, where a substitute is given instead of Abraham having to sacrifice Isaac. Right. There's a substitute there. And we see all of that in Genesis. Go to creation.com slash seedbed for more information. We've just seen how Genesis is so foundational to to all Christian doctrines. You know, how does that relate to evangelism when we're we're sharing these truths uh, of salvation with other right. people? Yeah, if it's so important and so tied to tied to um, the gospel, right? It, it also it also can be used powerfully in evangelism right. and is being used powerfully in evangelism. Now, over the years, we've had a number of responses from street evangelists. Yes, people that are out there sharing the gospel, sharing Christ with. Anyone on the street. Right. It's like and the professional evangelist. They wake up in the morning, yeah, right. they don't go to a factory or something, they go out and they, they preach the yep, gospel. Yep. Yep. And they all say the same thing. One of the most cited reasons why people reject Jesus is this issue. That's it's right. It's the creation evolution issue. Well, I don't, I don't need to believe in Jesus because of what? Fossils, dinosaurs, science, what yep. they mean evolution. Where did King get his but wife? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, Russell Wallace uh, is a pastor and part of a street preaching team in Adelaide in uh, South Australia. And uh, he said this, There's a common topic among young people that consistently presents itself. This topic is evolution. While it by no means is the only topic that comes up, it is one of the most regular, and young people like talking about it. Why? Simply because it is what they've been taught and led to believe. It is possibly also the most convenient way for young sinners to consciously reject God to justify their lifestyle. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So let's uh, let's summarize what he said here. He said yep. he said it's a subject that young people will engage in discussion. Right. And this is according to people who are out there engaging with non-Christians again, right. remember. Uh, we could also say it's foundational to the gospel. So by talking about it, you can lay the groundwork for explaining salvation. That's kind of cool. Yep. And what you believe about where you came from has moral consequences. And that, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Right. I mean, if you believe you evolved from pond scum over millions of years uh, without God, then obviously who sets the rules? Yeah. Well, you yeah. do, right? There's nothing above humans to set the rules. Right. It's, it's a, just a crazy situation we've got in our public school system now where, you know, you've actually got public educators teaching young people, look, you evolved from pond scum. There's no absolute right. There's no absolute wrong. There's no, you know, guy in the sky giving you all these rules. Now sit down and be quiet. <laughs> and the young people go, well, wait a sec, that's just your rule. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. rules aren't like that. You know? <laughs> Pastor Wallace says this, Creation evangelism is an excellent tool and ties in beautifully with the gospel message. The material I use is available in Creation Magazine and on the CMI website. Being armed with the right information and able to answer some basic questions is a very powerful strategy to evangelize today's youth. Telling people just to believe in Jesus regardless of the supposed evidence for evolution is a reason for people not to believe. I do not expect a sensible mind to rationalize the contradiction. I really like that final line there. I mean, right. he's really put it together. Yeah. People who are smart are, are, are going to want to have a consistent worldview. Right. Well, my worldview, say, say, let's say Christianity, has to be able to explain everything that we see around us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he recognized that people are going to do that. And if there's a direct contradiction, they, they just say, well, your worldview is faulty. Right, yeah. So his experience is, is, is that people see evolution um, as incompatible with Christianity. Despite yeah. many Christians saying, oh, evolution is compatible, well, the non-believers quickly point out that it isn't. So he, he went on to say, the saturation of society with evolutionary thinking makes the job of evangelism more difficult today. Sixty years ago, a street preacher did not have to deal with the frequency of today's stumbling blocks that get in the way of the gospel. Some of these include the evolutionary slant on fossils, carbon dating, the origin of races and dinosaurs, and their millions of years explanation. Right? So, yeah, I mean, so here's somebody who's out there chatting with people and, and, and drawing out from them why they are not believers. Right. And by the way, if you want to hear more from Russell, it's a great article, just go to yeah, creation.com yeah. slash street dash preacher and you can read read all of his comments. They're they're very enlightening. It, it, it's enlightening for, for 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 any viewers that might be watching us thinking, well, creation evolution, it's a side issue. It doesn't matter. Yep. It matters to the gospel, it matters to our understanding of God and many other doctrines, and it's vital to, based on what we're hearing from people who are out there sharing the faith, it's vital to evangelism. Or, or it can be used to effectively get young people talking about the issue and lead very quickly to a gospel presentation. Right. Now, we know that uh, evolution is a, is a 
religion, so to speak. Like it's, it's got religious overtones to it. Sure. And sometimes yeah. people don't want to talk about religion, what they consider religion, but they're often open to talking about evolution, which yeah. can then lead to those spiritual It starts a discussion. Exactly. We'll be back. And of course, the common perception is that it's a side issue. doesn't matter. Yep. Um, I hope you can see that it's not. It, it does matter a lot. It matters a lot to people who've rejected Christianity, who's maybe, who've maybe grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. If you've grown up in the church and your faith is solid, you might be saying, well, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Right. And, and that's, that's great. I mean, we'd all love to have a faith that we just believe the Bible, have that childlike faith. That's a goal for everyone, yep. uh, for, for Christians. But um, often people need more than that. They need something to get them to that point where it becomes a childlike faith. Yep. Uh, if we can, we, we can continue with Pastor Wallace. He had some other insights in the article that he, uh, that, that's up on creation.com there. Um, he said this, Let me share another example of a Friday night encounter with a young man named Danny. As he was passing by, he heard the preaching and hung around to listen. I went up to him and started a conversation. He revealed that he had been through some bad experiences with his family and no longer believed in God like he used to. Now, just pause there for a minute. There, there are huge similarities, I think, between the story of Danny here that, that Pastor Wallace talks about and people in the church, uh, young people in the church. The circumstances might vary, uh, right. but, but they begin in church. the point is they begin in church and then they leave. Right. And the statistics, I mean, we, we, we use them. Hammered this so many times, yeah. yeah. People grew up in the church and they leave. And part of that is because the, the questions that they have about the truths of Scripture that are sometimes difficult to arrive at on your own were never answered. Right. And we need to understand, too, that those young people growing up in churches, you're not born a Christian. Yeah. You're born a sinner in need of a Savior. And so... You know, you can't just assume everybody in church is a Christian. They need information to feed their faith right. until they, yeah. they come to a saving knowledge. It, it, it's taught as kind of, well, it's just something you have to believe without anything to back it up. Right. Now, he continued uh, in the article, he said, Danny had already discarded the intellectual aspects of his faith because of his exposure to the constant barrage of evolution in school. He had no answers to defend his faith. After sharing how the Bible can be trusted, he asked, do you believe in the story of Adam and Eve? Dan, Danny now had a keen interest to know more. After I gave him my answer, he fired another question. What about all the different people? Meaning, where did all the races come from? Danny outwardly made an effort to appear reserved, but hearing this information had clearly impacted him. I could tell he was thrilled he could believe in God again. He added, you gave me reasons to abandon my doubts. I handed Danny a creation magazine. To my surprise, he gave me a hug, then went to catch his bus. <laughs> That's awesome. So here's this reserved guy, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and he hugs a stranger on the street. For <laughs> Thanks. You've given me information that, 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 that helped get me back to God. Right. I, mean, I, clearly, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this as well. You want to believe in God. You want to believe that there is someone who loves us enough to send his son to die for us, but you can't. Because right. it doesn't a, make sense. There's an intellectual barrier there. Right? And then once you get the answers that, that put it all together, you think, this is great. I can believe. It's really true. It really is. Yep. It's fantastic. In one of our past episodes, we had Pastor Corey McKenna yeah. on the show. That was a few years ago. Yep. We interviewed Corey, and he's a street evangelist. Yep. And, uh, and he gave a lot of insights as well. And you can look up that episode. If you're online, go to creation.com slash cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-cml1-
Genesis is important theology. It is. It's not a side issue, right? A wrong view of Genesis, the age of the earth, fossils, all these types of things can have a devastating effect on people's faith. So right. we, that's why we do the show. We encourage you to keep watching. Today's episode was originally formatted for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.